Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. It's Monday, October 16th, 2023, and Aroldis Chapman is still playoff meltdown free. Can that last all the way to the World Series? Probably not. Probably not. But a big game one win for the Rangers last night against the Astros had a ton of Yankees implications, and not just for the hater in all of us that wants to see Houston go down and Jose Altuve miss second base while trying to back tag to first. Uh, Jordan Montgomery started the game. Of course he did. That's his first career playoff start in Houston against the Astros. Never got one with the Yankees. Probably not great that he never got one with the Yankees, considering how dominant he was yesterday. He struck out Jordan Alvarez three times. Made Jordan Alvarez look so bad that Jordan Alvarez claimed to be sick with a stomach issue. Conveniently, that came out after he struck out thrice against Monty. But the rumors began earlier yesterday connecting him to a Yankees reunion. If that was the plan all along, not so bad, but we'll talk about the pros and cons. Plus, one Soto trade buzz, how the Yankees could welcome back a former teammate to facilitate that deal. And if that is true, that's a sad indictment on how much money the Padres are trying to save. We'll talk our oldest, wish we didn't have to, but we will. And the Marlins just put a Brian Cashman replacement on the market. So why is Brian Cashman still going to be the GM of this team? And why is she about to go to the Red Sox? Yep, she. So you already know who it is. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review if you have the chance. Please subscribe to the channel. Got a lot of great content up lately. If you have not listened to or watched the Jabba Chamberlain interview we put out last week, recommend doing so. Jabba is as real as it gets. He went 45 minutes deep and raw on his time with the Yankees, the current team, what they need to fix and what they need to keep the same, how they should attack this offseason. Though, like he said, it is a coin flip. But listen to him. Let us know your thoughts. Chime in on the comments. A lot of you have already been checking out that video. Uh, YouTube helpful enough to give us view metrics. So I know that uh, people are watching. Uh, that's what views mean. But uh, please come back if you haven't yet. Watch that after you watch this. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. As always, you're going to kick us off with an offer from Bet365. You betcha. Yankees fans, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in today. We're happy to have you. Uh, Bet365, upping the ante here. Um, they have this promotion going for the MLB playoffs. New users who register with a Bet365 account. Use our code YGY betting are now, now eligible to receive $365 in bonus bets. Very simple. All you have to do is deposit 10 bucks, place a $1 wager on any game. Once you place that first bet, you will instantly receive that $365 in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, just make sure to use the code again, YGY betting when you sign up by using the code, you have access to that bonus bet. Um, promotion but you'll also directly be supporting us your friends guys who have fun talking about the yankees giving you all the offseason info and insight to everything so please cash in on this offer it helps us it helps you why not um if you have not yet signed up for bet 365 please once again join with the code ygy betting and place that first bet 
This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. I got an offer for you guys. Pulled an Oswald Peraza rookie auto this weekend. And uh inappropriate. this is inappropriate behavior. This is not how the podcast is supposed to be. Million dollars. Million dollars. Whoever wants it. Uh that's thanks to the relationship with Bet365. That card would, of course, be well <laughs> over a million dollars anywhere else. But here, uh, if you do sign up with our official offer code, we can also throw in this rapidly declining in value Oswald Peraza card <laughs> for a clean million dollars. Um you know what I noticed? He doesn't have the um the inappropriate signature on this one. No. Remember? No, but he did put it right where that would be if he, he did. <laughs> If he was still drawing what, what is wrong with this guy? What appeared to be a dick and balls on one of his other cards. If you haven't seen it, please uh, look that up. We wrote about it, so y'all know what we're talking about. If you check out our content, give us a click. We're not that desperate for clicks, but, you know, if you want to click it, you can. Um, the ALCS is underway, uh, and that means, I guess, we're connecting all available free agents to the New York Yankees. Please. Uh, it's tough. It's tough times in uh, Yankee land. Somebody commented on our video last week. Um Please focus more on the teams that are in the playoffs instead of the Yankees who missed it. Uh, this is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, so we are we're gonna we're gonna keep focusing on on the New York Yankees. I think <laughs> a pre, I appreciate the tip for sure. Like I was interested, I read it all the way to the end, and then I was like, Nah, I'm probably gonna still talk about the Yankees. But everybody else is talking about the Yankees too. It's not just us. Uh, you know, Chris Kirschner, Cuddy. It's their job to answer mailbag questions, and all Yankee fans want to know is how are we getting better. Who are we getting? What are we doing? What are we adding to this? Because how many new leaves did we really turn over last year? That's the worst part about the season. The Red Sox had a bad season, even though the fans showed up to spring training, which is crazy. But they still had a bad season. But in that bad Red Sox season, Tristan Casas broke out, one of the best first basemen in baseball. Brian Bayo struggled at the end of the year, but he kind of looks like a homegrown number two or number three starter. They lost a bunch of money off the books. Justin Turner knocked in every runner from third with less than two outs possible. Adam Duvall emerged as a great free agent signing, and maybe you go back to that well and sign him again. They had a number of things that worked. As a team, they were not very good. But a Red Sox fan can leave that season being like, our farm system's better, a couple guys on the roster worked out, we can hit, Yoshida's a nice piece, maybe we work on his training. What do you leave this Yankee season thinking about? You're like, Anthony Volpe was good in August. And Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. And Clark Schmidt could be sold high and Michael King could be sold high or they could be a nice four five or five, six next year. Weird year. Not a lot of things went right. So that's why everybody in the mailbags, people asking questions are like, who can we get? Who's available? We've talked about it plenty. Most people are not available. You are going to have to pull off some trades this offseason and big ones if you want a quick fix. But for the first time in a long time, outside of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who we know Brian Cashman loves, who we know Brian Cashman went to Japan to check out, and who we know Steve Cohen also loves, that's going to be a bidding war. We know the Yankees are interested, but we know they're going to have to spend up to get him, and somebody might outbid them. That's all we know. But it was nice to be connected to another name this weekend by Bob Nightingale, of course. Take it with whatever grain of salt you want to. But he said the Yankees and the Cardinals, the two most recent former teams of Jordan Montgomery, will both be after him for a reunion this winter. And Montgomery, we thought we knew what he was in New York. He went elsewhere, learned a different emphasis, figured out his pitch mix, worked with Mike Maddox, worked with people who understood his arsenal better, did not de-emphasize the fastball, 
got him to play up that curveball, and he shut the Astros out last night in game one of the CS. Fuck yeah. Owned Jordan Alvarez. Like, beat the Astros for sure, but put Alvarez to sleep. Trevor Plouffe tweeted the, the you know, MLB.com graphics of where all the balls he fed Jordan Alvarez were. It was 94-95 at the top of the zone, curveball low and away out of the zone. He never went middle, ever, even by accident, even once. Alvarez did not get a single pitch to hit in three at-bats, which is why he did not hit him. Picture perfect job by Montgomery. So he's due for a $100 million contract this offseason. It is just the Yankees' money. For me, if this was their plan all along, like if it was the opposite of what we thought, where we thought it was like we don't envision being a part of this playoff rotation, we're not going to extend him, let's roll the dice with Harrison Bader – I think that was the plan. I do not think they let him go just to welcome him back again someday after he learned some new tricks. But they could execute a very different version of their original plan where he is now Andy Pettit. Took his little respite on another roster, went to Texas for whatever reason, found a new gear, and now comes back because it's just money after all. They would have cost themselves some money based on extending him before ever sending him to St. Louis versus signing him in free agency. But ultimately the end goal would be the same and he would have learned more this way. So I guess along with the same caveat, I've given every proposed Yankees move for the last like five years. If they don't let it hinder them from spending elsewhere, I'm all for it. Pay him whatever it takes. That's unfortunately not how they usually behave. I don't like this. Um, just for, the obvious reasons um this was not part of their plan they blindside traded him yeah um they clearly compromised the relationship if this was something that was a look ahead strategy move they would have had a conversation with jordan montgomery and um they would have talked about moving him at the deadline they would have talked about their plans for 2020 uh, you know, the 2022 postseason and um, the 2023 regular season. And they would have been adults about it. They wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been cowards. Uh, to me, that was a very cowardly move, especially because I don't think it was something that materialized at the buzzer. I think the Cardinals were always looking for pitching. I think the Yankees were always looking for an outfielder. And this wasn't a deal that came up where it was like, oh my God, you absolutely have to trade a starting pitcher if this is the return you're getting it wasn't one of those things where like jordan montgomery was thrown into a juan soto deal at the last second because the padres demanded one more asset and the yankees needed to outbid somebody this was a straight up one for one trade for a man in a walking boot and then he was insulted on his way out the door um i think it would be dumb in fact if the yankees re-signed jordan montgomery because once again they would be overpaying for something that they don't necessarily need to or they'd be putting themselves in the situation where they already had the chance to make this happen and to make it work they didn't somebody else made it work and now they're going to pay pay the money for somebody else making it work um i like jordan montgomery i wish he was on the team still i wish they had worked out some sort of mutually beneficial extension where the Yankees wouldn't get financially hamstrung and he got the security that he desired. But I think he's playing himself out of whatever the Yankees would be uh, preparing themselves for, especially in an off season where they kind of need to nail it. I'm not saying that Montgomery isn't the signing um, uh, to nail it, but I think you have Yamamoto who's a better prospect and long-term investment at this point. I think you have, 
if you wanted to go in that direction. Blake Snell, I know he's largely been um, a little bit inconsistent with his availability and his performance, but clearly put it all together in San Diego and what was a very toxic situation this year, and he's going to win the NL Cy Young. I think you got to look at Aaron Nola. Good in the postseason, played for a contender, you know, for the last two, three years and has clearly been able to handle the moment, something a lot of Yankees players have not. Um, yeah. And would you look at that Montgomery not throwing a single strike to it on Alvarez? The Yankees teach the exact opposite of that. Every time Rafael Devers is in the box, Garrett Cole is going 96 right in the top part of the zone and he's he's destroying it. Every other bat, every other other hitter that kills them, the pitchers are not instructed to ever throw around them. So it's it, again, it's crazy that the Yankees practices differ from so many other teams practices um, and the way that we've seen Jordan Montgomery flourish, not under the Yankees uh, tutelage, I think just speaks volumes into how um, their processes are incorrect, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the information that the coaching is receiving from the front office, whether it's the information the analytics department is giving to the front office to relate to the dugout. I don't know what it is, but you're seeing all these players, specifically someone like Montgomery, who was kind of a borderline talent. You weren't sure if he would. We always kind of talked about how his ceiling seemed to be a number three starter. I always thought, I mean, he's someone people disagree with, like, oh, man, you should never, like, pull a starter before they actually get into trouble. You should never preemptively pull a starter. But he was a guy who always would be soft tossing his way through four or five innings. And yeah. I would be like, totally cool with Aaron Boone yanking him at 84 pitches. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But then of course he, they told him to pitch away from his fastball. Everybody else told him to emphasize it. Now he's got this like death ball and it yes. helps the curveball play up. Yeah. And I just don't think that I think, I think they should use this as a learning experience rather than, uh, Oh, light bulb going off. We figured it out. Like, you need to use Jordan Montgomery leaving and succeeding at, at literally in spite of you. Um, the the manner in which he has delivered, you know, he kept the Rangers in the playoff race. I, I think that many of us might be forgetting about. He had a tremendous final two months of the season, particularly like his last six outings um, when the Rangers were dealing with a ton of injuries. Um, and a lot of his outings kept them in games or at least kept them competitive the point where you know they, they were able to sustain morale and keep the momentum going um the yankees just need to use jordan montgomery's exact scenario as a lesson that they need to change their practices they need to instill different philosophies they need to be a little bit more open-minded um because he's not the only one you look at sonny gray i know that that predates the current yankees regime but how do you have somebody who was so bad with you and then go somewhere else and another team just is like, yeah, why don't you throw this pitch a little bit more? It might be better. And then all of a sudden you're a Cy Young candidate. Um, I, I think it just, it always goes back in these conversations. It's so frustrating. It just always goes back to, it seems like the Yankees think they know better than everybody. They think they're the smartest people in the room and they don't budge on anything. They, I feel like they don't take any player input. I think our interview with Java kind of uh, fortified that belief in that what many fans have it's it seems like the most important players or at least the subjects in question are not um ever taken into account or they're never consulted on these types of things and montgomery was in new york long enough i think to me probably have voiced his concern over his efficiency in general look how efficient he is every outing that he had with the yankees felt so laborious it felt like 
He was working so hard for so little results. And last night, he's more efficient than Justin Verlander, who's like famously one of the most efficient pitchers in modern MLB history. So this is a this is a Yankees lesson to be learned and nothing else. I will not be disappointed if they re-sign Jordan Montgomery and overpay for him. I, I, I won't. I'm just I'm speaking from a perspective where you got to move on. You have to learn from this and you, you have to get better and have a be- perhaps a better known commodity. And I think there are a couple other options out there that, that would allow them to do that unless they wanted to get three starting pitchers and money isn't an object then awesome, but we know they're not going to do that. Yeah. I hear you on that. And I would much rather roll the dice with Yamamoto than go get Jordan Montgomery. Who's who's again, much love, but is probably peaking right now. Yes. I don't know how much longer he can do this and it's right before free agency so fantastic it's a classic case of somebody unlocking something deep within them that plays really well as they turn 31 and 32 and then maybe not so much when they're in year three of this deal at 35 uh but weirdness uh in the discourse too people sort of saying during the montgomery star like oh man yankee fans are killing themselves over this like yankee fans supposed to be roasting brian cashman alive do you think we like the astros like <laughs> the yankees the yankees were not a jordan montgomery away from being world series contenders in 2023 it's an example of brian cashman flopping it's certainly an example of brian cashman judging talent poorly Although the Harrison Bader edition worked out pretty well in 2022 and in the postseason when I would have rather had him than Jordan Montgomery. So all this revisionist history is about how 2023 didn't go so great. But then again, there are 50 reasons why 2023 didn't go so great. And since we're here anyway, and the Yankees aren't, let me be the first to say congratulations to Jordan Montgomery on laying the Astros to sleep. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to our oldest Chapman, who I don't want to see involved in the proceedings at all, but was, and he looked great yesterday too. Um, We're rooting for the Rangers. When I see Jordan Montgomery destroy the Astros lineup, the first thought in my head is not Brian Cashman made a mistake. I'm over that. I'm thinking about how the Houston Astros are one step closer to losing in the ALCS. I'm proud. I, I don't know if that's how you feel like, Congratulations, Jordan Montgomery never did anything wrong. I don't re- like I regret letting him go ultimately, but I don't begrudge any like congratulations on the improvement. And you're doing it to a team I despise. So this does not even mixed feelings is not even a way to categorize this. This is just pure happiness. Yeah. How long are you going to hold a grudge for unless unless the situation was Montgomery kicking our ass in the playoffs and being a direct result of us being eliminated or. Yeah. Uh, us letting Montgomery go, him somehow stumbling ass backwards into a Red Sox uniform and then managing to make us regret that move till the day we die. Like these other ones, these Cashman, I don't, we're not, we're not proud of the Cashman gaffes, but I think it does validate a lot of our frustration. So in a sense, like this is kind of the best case scenario, in my opinion, you have a very, very, well-documented, well-known scenario where your GM completely screwed up for the entire world to see. This is now it's reached a point where this is going to be a topic of conversation potentially through the World Series with the way the Rangers are playing, rooting for them to go to the World Series. I I, I am feeling maybe them Phillies. That's kind of what I was feeling when the DS started. I I don't know why, Um, but this the conversation is not going away. So I like that that's potentially being that that not potentially it is being exposed people are realizing what's going on and secondly like it has no effect on us none nothing is happening bad we're watching a former player that we liked for the most part had no issue with at the very least if you had an issue with jordan montgomery i don't know 
I don't know what your fandom is. I, I didn't know. like when he would start at Fenway because it would be laborious, like yeah. you said, and the wall is not his friend, but I certainly had nothing against the guy. Yeah, you're not sitting there cursing Jordan Montgomery before you go to sleep. Like Jordan Montgomery was, it was like, great. Some frustrating outings, sure, but um, you're watching a former player that you generally liked now beat up on a rival that you despise and will despise until the team is disbanded. So if he plays a role in, I guess, derailing the Astros' current run of form, I, I view that as a total positive. Um, I, I do, there's no reason to be angry with this. Um, it's it's fun to watch. Honestly, I like watching former Yankees again, unless they're completely battering us and making us look like fools. Yeah. So at the very least, you tip your cap. You know that the Yankees developed this person. They have the capability to potentially do that more with a lot of other promising pitching prospects that are coming up the ranks. And all you can do is hope, hope for a change in practices, hope for a little bit more open-mindedness with some of these situations. Um, because I think at this point for someone like Montgomery, we know it's not the spotlight. We know it's not the pressure of New York because he's pitching in the ALDS. You know, he's pitching in the, the AL wildcard game against what the second best team in the American league, the Rays ended up the second best team on their Um, awful turf in the worst place in baseball. Worst, like very, very tough place to play just because of how sad it is to play there. Um, He got the job done. Then you're in the DS against the best team in the AL. I know he didn't particularly do well there, but he did enough to help his team win in that game. And now you're in the CS against a team that has been to the CS seven years straight, has been to three World Series or four World Series. Um, and uh, this is, you know, every game's actually televised. You're on the, he's on the road for all of these games. Every single game he's pitched on the road. So it, the, the pressure here, the New York, I'm not buying the New York uh, media getting to him or the escalated spotlight getting to him. He's clearly able to handle that. This is this is a lesson, again, a lesson to be learned for, for the Yankees because he is managing to find the success with different coaches in a similar high-pressure environment, um, and he's thriving on it. And I think the Yankees actually played a role in helping him thrive on it because they've given him a reason to prove something because of what was said when he was walked out the door and the manner in which it all that went down, but happy for him. How can you not be happy for an athlete who's, who's managing to hit his peak in a contract year on the biggest stage? I, I think you'd be a total Grinch if, if you're feeling the opposite way. Yeah. It's the manufacturing the chip on his shoulder for a full year. It's a year and a half long version of the attaboy Harper. Like he's been yeah. doing it since the Yankees got rid of him. Other people told him what he wanted to hear. And it turned out both <clears> of those <throat> parties were right. And the Yankees were not that said, I still can't shake Astros in six, the bile that comes into my throat. Uh, whenever the Astros are primarily involved, it just feels so inevitable. They win so many decisive postseason games, three, two, despite having such a great offense where the bullpen just does not give the other team even a, a chance. It, they, they don't blink when they have a chance to close out a series or win a pivot point game. And I, the two things I can't shake in this series are Max Scherzer starting game three, which feels like a hardo rushed himself back meltdown yep. oh, yeah. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Scherzer in 2021 with the Dodgers did this Scherzer with the Mets last year did this. I, I cannot shake the, the fact that, there's going to be egg on the Rangers faces for starting Max Scherzer in game three. And it's Scherzer's fault. It's not the Rangers fault. So we'll see if they can overcome it. The other one is this asshole. And I've been thinking (laughs) about this 
for two weeks since the, the Astros were a guaranteed wild card. They were like locked into the wild card and an unbelievable circumstance, like 20 circumstances piled on top of each other had to happen to give them the buy in the AOS. But of course they all happened. Even the eliminated Mariners beat the Rangers one, nothing on the last day of the season, George Kirby threw a knuckleball. They were messing around and won and gave the Astros mm. this buy. And since then it just felt inevitable to me that I, I can't bet against them until they give me a reason to, I'm glad the Rangers won game one. The series is not over. I am glad the Rangers won game one. I am glad Aroldis Chapman survived game one, I guess. But I cannot believe that they have made him a part of the ALCS against the Astros again. Like, how how does God drop him here? How, how does God drop him here? Take a little eyedropper and put him in the place where he ends up doing the most potential damage to uh, to my mental health, even when he's not in the New York Yankees. I just read Brian Hoke's book, 62, about... It details last season and it focuses for about a page and a half on the mechanics of Chapman skipping that postseason workout and just staying in Miami. And Brian Cashman does not mince words in that book. He's like, we we felt like he's been checked out for a while. You know, people were saying we <clears throat> he was checked out, but we couldn't really act on it. He didn't give us a reason to. And then he did. So uh, that's not someone who deserves good things. Uh, and that's not the only thing he has done in his personal life that indicates he does not deserve good things. But there he was yesterday in his favorite stadium, Enron Field. And yes, the real ones still call it that. Um, <laughs> he comes in with a runner on first and nobody out. Bruce Bochy, mistake number one, do not give him an inherited runner, but I get it. Uh, runner on first, nobody out, facing basically the heart of the Astros order. Altuve's on first. Astros fans are cheering him because they know what's up. It's like when Red Sox fans cheered Mariano Rivera at the ring ceremony in 2005. They were like, your fuck up did this for us. We, we're raising a banner because you you fucked up. Uh, same deal. The Astros are silent for seven innings. They're licking their lips because they're like, we, we literally own this man. And Alex Bregman waits on a pitch and deposits it 380 feet towards the stupid Fake green monster where all you have to do is get some exit velo on it, poke it in the air, and it'll go. But Aroldis Chapman gets the luck last night that he never had during his time with the Yankees. Crazy. Fly ball goes into the corner, not into the Crawford boxes. Evan Carter makes an incredible leaping catch. And Jose Altuve, uh, they say he didn't like to get the bang. He hated the bangs. Maybe he could have used a bang last night to let him know to touch second base. It, like maybe he does need the dugout to clue him in on, on the rules of baseball because uh, he just totally forgot, just took a step in the wrong direction, then ran across the field like a little leaguer learning the intricacies of the sport and was doubled off. Um, I tweeted before that play happened that if Chapman gets out of that inning unscathed and Rangers win, I will legally change my name. That's how sure I was that he was about to fall apart. I still think he's got a meltdown left in him. Oh, you, I, I guess it yes. wasn't game one. I guess it wasn't game one. No, they let they let the Jordan Montgomery Sterling outing be protected, the baseball gods. Um, Chapman's, did you see these stats? Chapman's uh, career at Minute Maid Park. It was like a seven plus ERA, right? 7.53 ERA. This is 14 and a third innings pitch. 7.53 ERA, 32 strikeouts to 11 walks opponents average with runners in scoring position 308 opponents cool. ops with the runners in scoring position 1.015 cool um he ended game two with a cs in 2017 too like yep. uh, we all focus on there are so many hey uh, pick your favorite or old shaman playoff meltdown but don't forget that the game that the series where the yankees ended up sweeping the home slate and being one win away from the world series and tantalizingly never getting it 
our oldest Chapman got walked off too, and Gary Sanchez couldn't handle a bounce throw for some reason. Uh, no, Sonny Gray pitched game four, and he was good. I, I actually don't remember who pitched. It was just the Yankees were non-competitive at the plate, and so I yeah. never thought they were going to win, and then they didn't. But, yeah, but you would like the best closer in the league to not do that. That's why to not do happen. that. That yeah. would be your, the goal is to survive to extra innings. And he was like, I'd rather not. I don't want to do that. Yeah, four, this was a four innings of Seve, two of Canely, two of Robertson, and then an excellent third of an inning with two hits and a run allowed from Earl Chapman, just in up in the blink of an eye. Jesus. Yep. Yeah, that was Seve. I remember that. Four Earl innings. Lander, complete game, of, of course. Again, 13 Ks. Yeah, just do- complete domination. Was that the one where Todd Frazier just had his... <laughs> no, that was game six. Life he did broken. It again. He did it again. Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, it would have been nice to get one, you know, one. I mean, we didn't deserve the stroke of luck with Chapman because I, I think, again, another thing the Yankees did, they put themselves in a precarious cosmic situation by purposely buying low on a roll to Chapman because he was being suspended for a domestic violence yep. uh, violation of the league policy. And that's how they acquired him. Um, crazy how that book says he was checked out. Uh, what specifically, what it was specifically 2022 that he was checked out. They that's were what he insinuated, but they said for a while. So, I mean, yeah. last year was the year when he left the team to get a tattoo and yeah. got an infected like a lot of dumb shit happened i wonder how long it went on for because like they had the out in 2019 to just say fuck it after he blew you know obviously he blew that one game in the 2017 cs that we were just talking about 2019 was the most recognizable you know reliever choke job and His masterpiece the 20, last 10 years 2020 was good too but 2019 yeah. was the masterpiece yeah so they they had this out um, so I wonder if he was checked out a little bit, but I wonder if 2019 began the, the checkout situation for him because of how difficult that was all the, you know, the vitriol that he was catching. Um, so I don't know, but not enjoyable to watch. I, I don't like the way he, but, and it's frustrating too, cause he blows in the DS, he blows 101, 102 mile, mile an hour fastball by Ryan Mountcastle after getting in that gigantic jam against the Orioles. Um, yeah, very unpleasant player to watch. I uh, I advise Rangers fans to hold on to their butts every time that he's on the mound for the remainder of this playoffs because if he hasn't melted down once yet, we can assure you one's coming, and it's going to be a particularly unsavory one too. If we could just get him to the World Series against the Phillies before the meltdown, that would be yeah great because I don't think he's going to love Citizens Bank Park if he gets there. I don't think so. I don't think so. A lot of guys with non-infected tattoos there who would love to tell me. <laughs> and a couple infected ones, too, who fight through it, I guess, because, you know, really tough. Uh, yeah, so far, enjoyable game one of the LCS. We're not a part of it, but we also kind of are. Um, let's talk Juan Soto. I want to. Let's, sure. I just want to. I get to dictate. Um, I want to talk about it until he's somewhere else. So, you know, right now, let's talk about the Yankees and Juan Soto. 
again, he showed up in the mailbag. The athletic talked about it this week. Uh, Cause you got to talk about it because it's the most obvious. Like if you don't like Cody Bellinger, if you don't want to pay $200 million to a guy who was non-tendered last year and had low exit velocities this off season, and maybe is poised to do an unbounce back and reverse his own, you know, progress and who hasn't done that in pinstripes for the last several years. Uh, then the offensive firepower that you're looking for is Juan Soto. The Padres are in money saving mode. It seems extremely unlikely they'll extend him, which means that there's a chance that you could trade for him and then just play out the year. If you don't want to make a big old free agent expenditure, you should want to, but you don't have to, if you get Juan Soto, you could actually just trade for a season of Juan Soto. The Padres surrendered a ton to get him. 2.5 years of him though this is one so again full disclaimer this trade package if somebody does it whether it's us or somebody else it's gonna seem small you're gonna be like that's it for Juan Soto yeah and you're either gonna be overjoyed because the Yankees did it or pissed because somebody else did the Padres want to save money so badly apparently that we talked about Jake Cronenworth's contract being something the Yankees could do could take on to lessen the prospect package they'd have to give up even further but jake cronenworth is a first base second base third base in the dj lemayhu mold multi-time all-star but last year he was bad he's entering like he's in his 30s he's locked down through 2031 so if you didn't like 29 year old jake cronenworth being worth one war with a 92 ops plus and a 689 ops last year and 229 average, then you're not going to enjoy absorbing the seven-year $80 million extension, which is even more expensive than the Aaron Hicks deal for Cronenworth from 24 to 30, which is what people have suggested. But they also suggested that if the Yankees want to be nice and try to get the Padres uh, to prefer their offer, they could also offer to take on Matt Carpenter's $5.5 million for next year. Now, Matt Carpenter was not good last year at all and probably would probably would not provide much to the 2024 Yankees. But are the Padres really in money-saving mode to the point where the Yankees taking on a one-year commitment that's probably not going to work would be enough to tip the scales and maybe reduce the prospect package? If so, do that! Yeah, I'm not buying that. I think that that is a reach on, you know, the, the, the assessment here. I think that if anything, you would have to eat at least two of those contracts. So maybe Matt Carpenter and then baseball reference. Something's up with baseball reference. You notice this? I go, to, I search their uh, payroll specs all the time. They have the best payroll layout to me. You get to see contracts like up for 10 years. You go search for baseball reference payroll and it brings you to the actual just team reference page for every team. Hmm. Um, so now I have to use spot track and it doesn't show you anything beyond next year, but um you got Nick Martinez with a with a team club he has a team mutual option Michael Waka has a team mutual option Seth Lugo has a player team I don't know what the hell they did this I think Seth Lugo I think is probably going to cash in because he was actually good this year or Waka because Waka was injured for half the season and he might want to just I think it's like 16 million yeah 16 million bucks so like If you're sitting there and you're the Yankees and you can get yourself maybe another starter, and I know there's an injury risk here, but again, you're going to have to pay to get Juan Soto. And if they're truly hell-bent on clearing salary, like also in my opinion, I do like the Cronenworth theory. I think there's some validity to it, but 
his average, his AAV is like 11 million from now until the end of the contract. I just don't think that that's anything the Padres are viewing as like some sort of financial burden. I know they, I know they, they have a lot of weird deals on, you know, this Xander Bogart's contract is problematic. The Fernando Tatis contract is problematic. Um, the U Darvish, ex- Darvish extension is problematic. Um, I, I think the only wins they have here are Machado and Musgrove, but you're going to have to do a little bit more than surrender a bunch of prospects and eat five and a half million dollars because they're not viewing Juan Soto's salary as problematic. Yeah, it might be one year, 30 million, but that's the most value you're going to get out of 30 million for any player salary in the entire league. Yeah, Um, like Carlos Rodon's contract. (laughs) They're going to need you to take they're going to need you to take like an additional 20 plus off the books. Um, I think just for next year. So I'm thinking it's got to be a Waka Waka slash Lugo plus Carpenter, something else situation. I think the just the Carpenter for five and a half million is too light for as volatile and as weird. The Padres are making all of their, they're very hasty in their um, roster moves, their, their roster reconstruction, any of the other, any of the other that, uh, transactions that go with that, um, read, if you read the expose from The Athletic on A.J. Preller. But A.J. Preller historically has been a wheeler and dealer, crazy guy, uh, fun. I like it. Um, would I want that to be the leader of my team? I uh, Maybe. I, I, I'd rather have it than Cashman. But this is a little bit chaotic. Um, nonetheless, with all that being said, he's incredibly smart. He's managed to trade for all of these players on this roster – that were here uh, this past season. He traded for um, Musgrove. He traded for Darvish. He traded for um, uh, Soto. And he traded for, um, what's his name? Uh, Hader. And he traded, there was one other one on here that I was just seeing. Um, Damn it. Anyway, you could see that there are a number of blockbuster trades here. Oh, Blake Snell was the other one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the amount of prospect capital that this man has surrendered and has still managed to keep them among the top however many uh, farm systems in the league. I don't I, – I still think they're within the top half of the league, if I'm not mistaken. He, he dipped to way down low at one point, I think right after the Soto trade yeah. and replenished it and signed right Ethan Salas, uh, the – best teenage catcher that anyone's ever seen like so there are other ways to replenish your farm system you don't have to be (laughs) heim bloom the shrewd like oh constantly moving like you know little pieces around on his abacus finding some way to (laughs) replenish the farm system like you could just sign the best international prospect and so that's what aj preller did it's what he's been doing he's been doing it for a very long time so for as aggressive and maybe a little bit careless it seems um he might be he's got a backup plan to always make 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 do for any other deficiencies so that's why i'm sitting here and i'm like if he's trading juan soto there is not a five and a half million kicker here that's going to be like all right you take on matt carpenter's five and a half million juan soto's yours no there's going to be a lot of other uh contingencies attached to the deal and it's 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 going to cost a lot so i wouldn't i would buy this as a potential thing the Yankees might have to do but I wouldn't be like oh like this is the way this is the way out of 
getting Juan Soto for cheaper or definitely getting Juan Soto. It's like you should maybe just accept that there's going to be some other financial burden attached to Juan Soto, whether it's Matt Carpenter, Jake Cronenworth, Michael Waka, whoever. In terms of who they're actually going to have to give up, though, like I don't want to shot. It's not going to be Spencer Jones and it's not going to be Jason Dominguez. And they're not going to ask about those people because they know they're not getting them. Yeah. Pereira. Yes. Drew Thorpe. Absolutely. Maybe Wells, Sweeney, Warren, but probably it's going to be like Pereira Thorpe or Pereira Chase Hampton, whoever they prefer. And if they prefer it, they, we don't know how they're scouting either. So maybe they prefer Warren, um, but it probably will be Pereira and an arm, maybe a second arm. And then people from the Florida coast league, Henry yeah. Lillan, uh, you know, Kiner Delgado, John Cruz, the Yankees have the most stacked Florida coast league roster of 18 year old prospects who just come over for their first year of full season ball next year of anybody people are saying it is the most stacked roster they've seen at that level in decades the padres love shopping from down so does everybody everybody who's discounting the Yankees and trade conversations does not know how much teams love to plunder unlike people who have not risen yet from the lowest ranks whose etas are 2026 2027 they are going to go wild on that roster the Yankees have so many pieces down there who won't be making a big league impact for three years the Yankees are perpetual contenders they're not going to wait for kiner delgado or roderick arias if somebody wants to give them juan soto in exchange for everson pereira and three of those guys no matter how much they're poised to break out over the next year or two that fcl roster like don't be shocked at all if somebody comes and grabs two of them before this season, before those guys can go to Tampa and like have all-star years in the Florida State League and before everybody else's eyes can go, oh, now we get it. Like people are going to be trying to, people are going to try to get those guys at their quote unquote lowest value before it's obvious to the rest of baseball that they are future stars in the making. So expect a Yankees pitching prospect, an Everson Pereira type, and probably two really low tier lottery tickets with huge potential grades on them. I would agree. You gotta agree. And maybe we have somebody help us out with that. Maybe Another... we do. It's probably going to be just, it's probably going to be somehow even worse, but go for it. <laughs> uh, Kim Ang. I don't know if you guys saw this morning. Um, the details came out, uh, so now we have some clarity. Marlins made the playoffs for, I mean, the first time since 2020. For the first time before that, I don't know, but they looked like a bona fide playoff team. I know their run differential wasn't all that great, but they had a penchant for winning close games. I think they were well coached. They found, mm -hmm. you know, probably the next good manager and Skip Schumacher. Um, I think Kim Ang and, and obviously Jeter before he left were instrumental in piecing all of that together. Um, she had a team slash mutual option for the 2024 season. The Marlins exercised the, uh, the team option. She declined the mutual option, said that she talked with uh, Bruce Sherman, who is yeah. the, is that the owner or the baseball yeah. ops? That's He's the, the owner. owner. That's, That's the, the new owner. owner. Um, <laughs> new owner, Jeffrey Loria. Remember him? That was a good guy. Yeah. Jeter, um, yeah. <laughs> somewhere in between. Yeah. So it's clear that this ownership group is a bit problematic. Um, if you've read about Kim Ang in the past, uh, there is nothing but good things said about her. Um, she worked in the Yankees front office uh, as uh, the assistant GM to Brian Cashman years back at the beginning of the dynasty. Um, and she's bounced around baseball. This was the first, you know, legitimate uh, 
independent job of being attached to another executive that she had. Um, and she had a conversation with Bruce Sherman, didn't agree with the uh, outlook that he had for, I guess, the organization. Um, and they had conflicting ideologies. So now she's on the market. Uh, probably wouldn't be the, I mean, look, you're right. Um, she's going to stumble into a better job. The yeah. Yankees are not going to elevate Brian Cashman into a fake, you know, fancy role where he's they just going to, they totally they could. could, they could, but they're not gonna, it would be great if they just, you know, they put his office one floor higher. Everybody had to walk up there to go talk to him. So he felt important, but then they walked right back, back downstairs and they're like, fuck this guy. We're just going to do everything that we thought was right. And he's wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if Kim Ang was the GM uh, making the baseball operations decisions. She had an awesome trade deadline. <laughs> you could argue that was maybe the best trade de- deadline of any team. The Mar- yep. It directly impacted the Marlins playoff uh, hopes and, um, you know, got them into the wild card round. No, they flamed out against the Phillies, but you know, that's, that's a successful season for a team um, with that many uh, obstacles in front of them from, you know, their market and their, their ownership and whatever, but um, she's available. She could help us get Juan Soto. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're, you're right. It, 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 it could be a sick, sick turn of events and she could be with the Boston Red Sox, but uh, let us live a little for now without that happening in our brain. Just, just for now. And, and it, look, if you want to be the pessimist on Kimming, she built a team that was exactly good enough to do what they did. It took the Marlins being extremely lucky or prepared for one run games, but pretty lucky in one run games to get to the postseason by a game or two and then go to Philadelphia and get easily and summarily executed. Philly said, yeah, we're big and expensive and goodbye. Like great, good Marlins team, really good Marlins season. But that is what she put together using the budgetary constraints that they gave her. So if you want to be pessimistic on Kim Ang because she goes to Boston, if you're trying to get your anti Kim Ang arguments in order for when she goes to Boston, fine. But she got the two best bats that changed hands at the trade deadline. Josh Bell and Jake Berger were correctly identified as the not so expensive best potential offensive upgrades. And they worked. She got the batting champion this offseason, Louisa Rye. She signed Yuli Gurriel. She kept the pitching staff together like that she turned what is obviously a very difficult environment to work in and made them a playoff team. They made the postseason. That is not easy. That is not normal in Miami. Then after this season, Bruce Sherman, apparently, according to reports, tried tried to hire a president of baseball ops over her after she did all that. She said, I disagree. I don't think that's a good idea. And uh, then said, okay, great. Well, then here's a one-year contract for you. And then she declined the disrespectful one-year contract. That's why she walked. Uh, Don't blame her at all for walking. People are starting to tie her to the Mets now that Billy Epler is gone. I don't think that she – if she didn't want to be – have a president of baseball ops over her in Miami, why would she want to have a president of baseball ops over her in Flushing, Queens? I don't think that really makes sense. Maybe she didn't trust who he was going to hire. I think if they were to, I mean, look, if they were to keep Brian Cashman, they would be elevating him to something like president of baseball ops and including Kim Ang as GM. So you'd really have to fire Cashman if you wanted to bring her in. I would do that, but they're not going to. Uh, Boston, of course, Alex Cora and Kim Ang worked together when she was a Dodgers executive. Boston's had trouble bringing in external people who don't trust the instability of the organization. 
Um, because why would you want to go work somewhere where you execute their plan and then get fired for executing their plan? Why would you want to work somewhere where you're Dave Dombrowski and you're a legend and your team goes two games over 500 instead of defending your World Series? Then they go, okay, great, that's enough of you. You've given us too many bad contracts. We're not giving you a chance at this, which is what they did in 2019. Uh, but if distrust of the front office is what you're worried about, she and Alex Cora know each other. They have a prior relationship. She knows how he works. Um, would seem to be a pretty obvious external candidate, would also re uh, represent another example of Boston seemingly at a crossroads in their organization, striking out on all of these external possible hires and going, pick me and people who are well-respected going, we don't want to, we don't like your organization. And then maybe the best, most proven one of all falling into their laps out of nowhere. So, you know, I like Sam Fold of the Phillies. I like Brandon Gomes, the Dodgers. I would take him in over either of those guys. And she probably just became the front runner in Boston. But like you said, let us dream for a couple of days. Former Yankee, not a former Red Sox, former Yankee. She's been here. She's been Brian Cashman's uh, lieutenant before. Maybe, just maybe, if he's going to seed any of that, he would do it with someone he knows and trusts and he's already worked with. But probably it's just going to be no movement in the Yankees front office. They promote Nick Swisher to some position that they create, and then we move on. <laughs> what he's gonna what is he gonna be president of uh vibes operations yeah di director of vibe last postseason he waved a flag in center field before game one of the ds and now he is heavily involved in personnel decisions so hopefully some egos were checked at that door at the house i'm door ego checking meeting because we could really we could really use it. We get a full body scan for egos yeah and they're yeah, like no just, you have sorry, too much fucking ego get out of here yeah, I just received a call from security saying that somebody's ego was detected in this room. Did one of you guys not check? At the, there was an ego check. Did you guys not? Stop. I'm going to have to go through one by one. I have to check for your egos. Strip search, everybody. Yeah. Oh, there. Randy Levine. I knew it. <laughs> Obviously. Your ego is still fully in your body. Oh, oh you got me. No, <laughs> it's good. Ellen Batantis was not a closer. What can I say? <laughs> I had a better closer than Batantis. He figured me out. Uh, speaking of who's making whatever personnel decisions this offseason, well, I stop know talking about the. Are you going to talk about the Yankees? Stop talking about them. What are you talking? <laughs> about? <laughs> what did that guy think he was like? Did he think he was trying to direct us into doing something we don't do on this? It's podcast? a good idea. I mean, a podcast about baseball is a fantastic <laughs> idea, but this is specifically the Yanks Go Yard podcast. <laughs> well, I have uh, here's there, it's two uh, incidents with players who are not on the Yankees, but their stories relevant and it's two playoff teams. So how about that, buddy? Um, we knew this already. It came up across my feet again. Cause John Heyman was writing his a uh, hundred word columns with just the, these awesome blurbs that you only can find. If you dig through, they're so short, but like they're hidden always. I, I don't know how it works like that, but that's, that's how it does. Um, he wrote in his uh, most recent one after the Rangers had clinched the ALCS that, um Eovaldi wanted to join the Yankees yeah. uh this offseason we knew that um I think what we're frustrated with is why didn't we just sign Eovaldi with Carlos Rodon yeah Eovaldi costs two years 34 million dollars 17 expensive for sure very yeah. expensive known postseason commodity um I know we did we did talk about this in the offseason we we true we we i think unwaveringly said that this would not work for us just because it's a former red Sox, just because we knew that we would be signing him for playoff success and all of that escalating pressure would just result in bad results but 
wouldn't it have been nice to have both of them? Maybe that could have been the the other move when the Yankees saying they weren't done. It would have bought us. Would have maybe not had so much trouble with the rotation. Could have I don't know. Could have, he could have been another mentor for younger players. Um, it could have been a true one two three gauntlet with those three. Um, I think the Yankees just stake too much um, confidence in uh, Luis Severino in his 19 start bounce back, which didn't convince me of anything. Not that I'm mad. Not that I don't have any trust in Nestor Cortez, but like eclipse career high in career highs in innings back to back years. It's like this team's constantly injured. You have to be baking this into the equation. Um, and that's, then Clark, you, that's Clark Schmidt next year, by yeah. the way, eclipse oh, of course. High in innings by like 60. Yeah. So, yeah. and then after when you, after you swapped out, Montas for Montgomery thinking Montas was an upgrade even though he was injured and then had Montas for eight starts and now Montgomery has flourished in 45 starts elsewhere you had to make that second rotation move I think um and now it hurts even worse because what what reason does Nathan Ivaldi have to want to join the Yankees the Yankees cut him when he needed Tommy John surgery back when he was on the team and he was like kind of harnessing his stuff not really he was very frustrating but again speaks to the Yankees processes. Um, and then secondly is um, that Bryce Harper appearance on the Pat McAfee show. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, yeah. One of the producers is a Yankees fan. and uh, He had some funny words to say that I'm not going to repeat here, but he essentially asked Harper if um, there's any validity to Cashman, not contacting him during free agency at all. And Harper just laughed um, and then talked about his, fandom of the Yankees growing up and idolizing the dynasty teams and Posada and Jeter and Bernie Williams are his favorite players. And uh, you just constantly wondering what could have been with that, with Kyle, you know, someone like Kyle Schwarber too, who seemingly Yankees target forever. And then just wasn't one day. I I don't understand it. Um, Yeah. And it hurts even more that he says he can't picture himself anywhere, but Philly thinks it's the perfect fit. Imagine if the perfect fit was the Bronx, how good that would feel, how um, the fa- how the positive reaction from the fans would be, how less toxic the discourse would be. Um, I don't know. It's it's all just upsetting. And it was at one point the perfect fit. Like Philly is home now, but yes. it, it was the Bronx for a long time, for most of his life, probably during his entire Nationals career. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody, people are trying to rewrite history a little bit and talk about how, you know, hey, everybody is obviously focused on Bryce Harper this week because he's a generationally talented superstar who's on the verge of leading his Philadelphia Phillies team to the World Series two straight years. It's like, yeah, no kidding, we're all focused on that. But they're like, hey, at the time, though, remember Giancarlo Stanton's numbers in that walk year before he became a Yankee, before he was traded, were actually better than Harper's in his walk year with the Nationals when he struggled with injuries. And when he only hit like 20 home runs, he didn't hit 57, wasn't the NL MVP. It's like, but I think anybody could have projected that Harper was going to age better than San. And even so, you could just go ahead and get both. You can get both. You can get both. Because the Yankees had Aaron Hicks and Clint Frazier and Brett Gardner. And none of those people are currently outfielders for the New York Yankees. They tried Miguel and Duhar out there. They didn't start last season with a left fielder. You can always use more outfielders. The Yankees haven't had a left fielder since 2019. The Yankees tried to send Brett Gardner into retirement and then couldn't do it because they're like, we actually don't have anybody better. You have to come back and hit 250 with a 320 OBP. And that's actually going to be superior to anybody else that we try. So yeah, 
I'd rather have Stanton and Bryce Harper than Stanton and Billy McKinney. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's how I feel. I'd rather have Jake Bowers. I'd um, rather have McKinney, Bowers, and Calhoun than Bryce Harper and Stanton. <laughs> that's basically the tweet going around. That was you see the absolute just everybody. No, what is it? Everybody licking the boots of ownership these days some reds guy had a tweet go viral that was like nick castellanos put up 1.6 war and he cost 20 million dollars and will benson put up 1.6 war and he cost seven hundred thousand dollars good job by the reds it's like nick castellanos had two home runs and back-to-back nlds games this year though and will benson is a completely irrelevant baseball player so have you thought about that <laughs> have you thought about how ownership actually paying for prime time proven stars is occasionally a valuable concept, even if Will Benson's able to put up similar war in part-time duty during a completely anonymous regular season. You ever thought about that? I also don't, I don't like, this is where analytics, like 1.6 war. The guy has 29 homers, 106 RBI on the season. Yes. And I know he was negative D war, but his defense has been eye test wise improving. Made a diving catch that saved a World Series game last yeah. year. Made a diving catch. Made another diving catch. Look, I know the two diving catches are not going. Two diving catches are not going to define somebody, but he's made obvious strides um, and is in the middle of a superstar lineup and has pulled the weight for this offense at times. I don't know how you could tell me that he is one point six wins better than. The average player. A replacement player. A Jake Branchy Cordero. Yeah, a Mike Talkman. Will Benson had a good year, too. By yeah. way. You know, if you were able to pay Nick Castellanos, you could actually have him and Will Benson. In yeah, you could life. just, yeah, and then you would have maybe made the playoffs. That would have been cool. You seem to be a player or two away from making the playoffs. What if you had Nick Castellanos? But again, just keep uh, licking that owner boot. Keep keep uh, <laughs> keep circulating tweets applauding your owner for saving $18 million. I'm sure he'll give you a lollipop and potentially a season ticket holder pass next year. Maybe even a, a $5 discount on a tour of the Reds Museum. That might be nice. But uh, you don't actually have to cape for value. You don't have to be like, isn't it smart that we have a roughly equivalent player by B-War for less money? Nope, not really. You don't have to walk around saying that. It is sick. I do remember thinking like that once upon a time and I snapped out of it. It was like years ago when I first started writing about baseball. I was like, this is cool. You get in the weeds, you start doing some math, and then you realize you're just treating people as numbers. And it's like, this isn't right. This doesn't make sense. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it, like it's it's certainly a ruthless <laughs> way to look at it, but it's just not really how World Series are dictated. It's how, yeah. you know, it's how victory laps are taken on Twitter while one team that employs the more expensive man is – running through the postseason that's what Bryce Harper said so that's what the money's for or whatever you know that's why you pay the big bucks to get a bunch of superstars in to hopefully win a title and they're all superstars who bought in on the Philly ethos Phillies are great Yankees are bad Reds are fine I hope that was enough non-Yankees talk for the man who requested that we talk about Major League Baseball and not the Yankees this is unfortunately going to get us another Apple podcast review calling us smug. It just is smug. Um, but if you want to undo that, if you want to leave one that says we're not smug and it's actually our God given right on the Yanks go yard podcast to talk about the New York Yankees, then drop us an Apple podcast review. We would love it. Uh, five stars would be great. Any less than that doesn't really help that much. So just make sure to leave it. If you want to criticize us in the writing, but still give us five stars, 
go for it. No big deal. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Java Chamberlain episode, please go ahead and do that now. Uh, I love talking to Thomas Carinante. I love when Bet365 finances me talking to Thomas Carinante. If I were you, I would listen to the one where both Thomas and I talk to Java Chamberlain over the ones where Java Chamberlain is not present. That's just my hot take. I would probably go to the Java episode first. So make sure to do that if you're listening to this one first. If you listen to Java and that's why you're here, thank you so much for subscribing. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on all your podcast platforms, of course, and on YouTube Live Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time through the playoffs, winter meetings, offseason, and 2024 regular season. For now, I'm Adam Weinrib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? Only for now. Um, well, only for now will I be on Twitter. I guess maybe I'll stay there, but I really don't know. Yeah, I am so sick of people. Twitter X, whatever it's called. It's just yeah, whatever Twitter. you're calling it these days. What, you know, whatever. It's fucking Twitter, dude. Always Twitter. That's why. The, yeah, that's how you fight back against it being renamed X. Yeah, you keep calling it Twitter. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm on the website formerly known as Twitter, currently called it's, X. <laughs> yeah. It's like in the office when Andy tries to be called Drew and everyone's like, sure. Yeah. And he just fine. never and it never sticks. Um, yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna um Andy Bernard, Elon Musk. Yeah. Um I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Hit me up. Take a look at the Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're both there posting articles, whatever you want. Uh we're there to converse. Uh, feel free to send us a DM, comment on the articles. Let's have a conversation. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, coming in on the stream yet again. Uh, appreciate you guys reading. There's plenty more to come. Um, it ain't slowing down. Off season is in three weeks. Um, I guess the Yankees changes per Hal are coming soonish because they're going to have to make those changes before they start making roster moves. Um, so expect that. There's going to be a lot of conversation to be had. We're going to need you guys here with us to parse through it all um and we'll see you again on thursday live 2 p.m eastern right here tiktok hal we'll see everybody here on thursday maybe mr steinbrenner would like to join us to talk us through what he found during that all-important ego check take care everybody we'll see you on everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.